Good evening. This evening's reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 22 to 32, and chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. Chapter 36, verses 22 to 32. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the corn and make it plentiful and I will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you'll remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Chapter 37 Verses 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath entered them. They came to life 
and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Let's commit ourselves to listening to God as he speaks to us. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's not always comfortable reading. But we thank you so much that you have given it to us, that we might know your heart, and that we might know you. Lord, we pray that you give us attentive minds and hearts now as we hear your word preached. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be humble before you, to submit to your word. Lord, please speak to us and show us how you want us to live, how you want us to respond. Lord, please be at work powerfully through your word, by the power of your spirit, I pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen. What happens when you become a Christian? Do you get a bit churchy? Do you become a little bit religious? Do you commit to giving God an hour a week on a Sunday morning if you've nothing better to do? The answer is that when you become a Christian, a resurrection takes place from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's a complete transformation of your life. In the imagery of Ezekiel 37, dry bones are brought back to life. The context of this teaching is that Israel is in exile in Babylon. They're under the discipline of God because of their sin. But God is going to have mercy on them. Not for their own sake, but for the sake of his holy name, in verse 22. God is going to restore them to the land of Israel. And this will be like the resurrection of dry bones. Two headings, spiritual rebirth and physical rebirth. Firstly, spiritual rebirth. The great Australian evangelist John Chapman told the story of a man who'd been a drunk. He used to come home and be aggressive to his family. It got to the point that the family had to sell all their furniture because the father was drinking all the money. In addition to this, they would often go without food. One day the man was walking down the street when he heard someone preaching. Wonderfully, there and then, he put his trust in Jesus Christ and asked God to forgive him and make him a brand new person. He went home that night to his frightened family with no furniture. 
To say that the family was sceptical would be to put it mildly. But having become a Christian, each night the man came home sober. The next Friday he came home with a full pay packet. This was the first time in everyone's memory. That week the family ate properly. Gradually they were able to buy more furniture. This illustrates what happens when someone becomes a Christian. A genuine transformation takes place. Chapter 36 verse 22 This is what the Sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned. God is concerned for his reputation in the world. Israel is his people. When Israel is dishonoured, exiled, God is dishonoured. It's the same today. When the church looks weak and pathetic and scandal-ridden, God's name is dishonoured. And so we should pray for revival for the sake of God's holy name. Verse 23b Then the nations will know that I am the Lord when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. It's the same today. We show who God is when we show his holiness to the world. Israel will be restored to the land of Israel in verse 24. In the same way, God is gathering a people today who will be with him in heaven forever. And then in verse 35, we get one of the Old Testament promises of the new covenant, the event that will take place with the coming of Christ. Under the old covenant, God's people were required to keep God's law, to keep their side of the covenant, the agreement, the relationship between God and his people. The problem was that God's people were sinful and unable to obey him. So again and again, God's people fall under the judgment of God. And this is meant that they are now in exile in Babylon. Jesus comes, and in the Last Supper he says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. God promises a new covenant in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 32. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. In other words, instead of the covenant being an external thing, the keeping of external rules, in the new covenant, God would work on our hearts and change us from the inside. That's what we see going on here in Ezekiel 36, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Jesus calls this being born again. When Nicodemus came, comes to see Jesus in John 3, Jesus says to him, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, unless they are born of water 
and the Spirit. Jesus is speaking to an expert in the Old Testament. He expects Nicodemus to understand that this is a reference to Ezekiel 36, to being sprinkled with clean water, to being washed clean by God. So here in Ezekiel 36, we have Ezekiel's prophecy of the new covenant, and it's a promise of a new birth. Firstly, this involves cleansing from sin. So to know God in the new covenant, we must be forgiven our sins and cleansed. God is a holy God. He cannot look on sin. We can't be in right relationship with him unless we're cleansed from all our sin. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. The new covenant involves cleansing. It also involves being given new life being born again. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So when we become a Christian, we don't just get a little bit religious, we have a heart transplant. Dr Christian Barnard was the first person to perform a human heart transplant. On one occasion, he asked the patient on whom he performed the heart transplant if he'd like to see his old heart. He was the first person in the world to hold his own heart in his hands. It was in a jar. The patient said, So this is my old heart that has caused me so much trouble. Spiritually speaking, we could say the same. By nature, our hearts are hard towards God. We have hearts of stone. We're ignorant of God. We're disobedient to God. We're hard-hearted towards God. But when God comes to us in the new covenant and makes us his own, we're made soft-hearted towards him. We're given a heart of flesh. This means we love God. We love his word. We love to be taught by him. We long to please him. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So we're born of water, we're cleansed with pure water, and we're made spiritually alive. God puts his spirit in us. Where once we were spiritually dead, as the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians 2.1, dead in your transgressions and sins, where once we were spiritually dead, now, because of God's spirit, we're spiritually alive, born of the spirit, in Jesus' words. And wonderfully, when God puts his spirit in us, a transformation takes place. Where once we were only inclined 
to disobey God. Now he will move us in Ezekiel 36:27. He will move us to keep his laws. I'm so grateful for this. By nature, we're disobedient. In our new natures, as born-again people, we actually want to obey God. We are moved to follow God's decrees. And we are careful to keep his laws. This is a wonderful thing. It means we can become godly people. Not perfect until heaven, but godly. Verse 28. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. We will be in heaven with God. You will be my people and I will be your God. How tremendous. Because God takes the initiative, because God gives us spiritual life, because God makes us born again, even when we would never have wanted this for ourselves, even when we would only have been hard-hearted towards him, because God gives us a heart transplant, we will be his people and he will be our God. We will know him. We will be right with him. Verse 29. I will save you from all your uncleanness and God will bless us. He will prosper us, his people, in the land. Which for us, this means he will bless us in heaven. Look what happens before God saves us. Verse 31. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds. And you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I wonder, has this happened to us? It's the precursor to being born again. We come under the conviction of our sin. We realise that we're sinners. We realise that we've disobeyed God. We realise that we're worthy of hell. And we loathe ourselves for our sin. Has this happened to you? If it has, that's a good thing. We must loathe ourselves for our sin. Verse 32b, be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct. And then we must turn from our sin and seek the forgiveness and cleansing of God. And then God will save us. So there is a spiritual rebirth we're promised in Christ. Secondly, we see here physical rebirth. Ezekiel is given a vision of physical rebirth, which is a picture of spiritual rebirth. Into chapter 37 now. Ezekiel is given a vision of a valley, a valley full of bones, 
They were dry bones. They are long dead. This could just be a vision. It could be an actual description of a defeated Israelite army, slaughtered. Verse 3, God asks, Son of man, can these bones live? Then God says, verse 4, prophesy to these bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What is the prophecy? God says, I will make breath unto you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So in case we didn't get the message in chapter 36, God gives a powerful vision, a visual picture in verse 37. Israel is like a valley of dry bones. There is no way they can give themselves spiritual life. There's no way they can get back to the land of Israel and live as God's people. They're spiritually dead. And it's the same for us. We're just a pile of dry bones until God comes and works on us and brings us to life and restores us. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded says Ezekiel. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Notice the power of God's word. It is as Ezekiel prophesies, as Ezekiel speaks God's word, in the power of the Spirit, that the resurrection takes place. The great Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, wrote a book called Christian Leaders of the 18th Century. Ryle comments that before the evangelical revival of the 18th century, England had almost no interest in God and very little interest in morality. The poor were ignored, the vulnerable overlooked. The clergy were notorious. They did as little and preached as seldom as possible. When they did preach, their sermons were atrocious. It's comforting to reflect that they generally preached to empty benches. What changed in the 18th century? Well, radical transformation took place because a few people, not generally the wealthy and powerful, a few people preached the word of God in the power of the Spirit and Britain was transformed. We became a very Christian country for about 200 years. Verse 9. As he prophesies to the breath, Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. 
This is how impossible it looked for Israel to be restored to the land of Israel from the Babylonian exile. They say in verse 11, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. For God to restore them to the land is, verse 12, to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. In the same way, it takes a resurrection from the dead for God to gather us as his people and eventually to take us to the new creation, to heaven, to be with God as his people. But when God gives us new birth, verse 13, then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live, verse 14. And all the glory goes to God, verse 14b. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it declares the Lord. Well, let me draw the threads together. If we're to be God's people, if we're to be in right relationship with him, a spiritual resurrection must take place, every bit as dramatic as the resurrection of dry bones. There's nothing we can do for ourselves. We're spiritually dead, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 2.1. The dead can't do anything. God must come to us and take the initiative and give us spiritual life. Which is exactly what he does for us in Christ. And even more wonderfully than restoring God's people to the land of Israel, God will restore us to heaven, to be with him as his people. And all of this demonstrates the power of God's word, proclaimed in the power of the Spirit. It's as Ezekiel prophesies that the, the dry bones live. So what about you? Has a spiritual resurrection taken place? Have you been born again? If you have, praise God. Thank him for that. And commit your life to speaking God's word in the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spiritual new life you give us in Christ. We confess, Lord, that without you we're spiritually dead, dead in our trespasses and sins, and that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Thank you that you take the initiative. Thank you that you come to us and give us your spirit and give us new life. 
Father, please would this be the experience of each one of us. Please would none of us be left out. And then, Lord, having been born again, having been given spiritual new life, grant us to live for Christ. And grant us to have this experience of speaking your word in the power of the Spirit. So that as we speak your word to other people, we see them becoming born again, brand new people in Christ. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.